So um, over the last uh, nine and a half years, I have gotten to know uh, many of you, um, not as well as I would like. That's always a challenge, but um, but I've gotten to know many of you. I've heard a lot of your stories, and uh, because this is Alaska, one of the recurring themes in many of your stories is is the vacation cabin or the the weekend cabin, as the case may be, um, the cabin in the woods. And for me, a cabin in the woods is a horror movie. But for some of you, you actually. <laughs> Some of you actually like them, and so you know more power to you if you if you are um, a fan of the cabin in the woods. Um, but as I heard your stories, as you would tell me stories about your cabins, um, uh, I, I I basically missed the part where you said how much you enjoyed it. Because what would happen is you'd tell me about your your cabin and how uh, when you were gone, uh, the pipes broke, you know that there was flooding or something because it froze or. Or a tree fell on the the outbuilding or something, and you know you had to fix the roof. Or, or um, there were intruders, and the intruders could be anything from from shrews that got into the the pantry area or something, to to a moose, to uh, a, a brown bear. I've heard these stories, and um, and so what would happen is you'd be telling me about the great time you spent at the weekend once you got things cleaned up, and what I would hear is blah 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 blah. <laughs> Great reason not to have a cabin. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And that was just the way that those stories landed on me. And, and, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm right and you're wrong. In fact, I would say I'm probably neurotic. But if I had two homes, I would always be worried about the one I wasn't in. That if I was at the cabin, I'd be wondering what was breaking at home. And if I was at home, I'd be wondering what was breaking in the cabin. And so for those of you who have a cabin, you know, more power to you, but, um, but that's not my jam. So, so, um, so I want to talk about that because Jesus has a metaphor. Jesus uses this metaphor of an empty cabin, a, 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 a house that has become vacant. And that's, that's in our story today. And, um, uh, he's gonna talk about, uh, demons, but as we'll see, I think the focus here is not on the demons. This is not a passage where we're meant to say, okay, now I understand demons a little bit better. Um, I think the idea is Jesus is saying something about the cabin that is our life. So let's go ahead and take a look at this passage as we see it in um, Matthew chapter 12. He begins um, in verse 33. He says, when an unclean spirit leaves a person, it wanders through dry places looking for a place to rest, but it doesn't find any. So, you know, again, I, I don't think this is something where we should be uh, trying to figure out, okay, well, now I understand demons better. Um, I, As I read this, I'm thinking, well, um, why did it leave? You know, why is the demon not there? You know, it, do demons just sometimes take a holiday? What does that mean? Did it get cast out? Um, Jesus doesn't answer because I don't think Jesus really cares. That's not his point. And in the same way, I'm wondering, well, what is a dry place? What what makes a place inhospitable to a demon? And Jesus is like, I don't care. That's not what I'm getting at here. So so uh, whatever it is, the demon, the, the unclean spirit is not happy where it goes. And so it says, verse 44, he says, um, I'll go back to the house I left. Now remember, this is a person. It left a person. And when it says, I'll go back to the house, that's the demon's perspective. We would say a person, the demon, the unclean spirit says it's a house. So it goes back to the vacant house, to the cabin in the woods. And when it arrives... It finds the place vacant, cleaned up, and decorated. 
I, I just have to mention this. The word decorated, I was, as I was studying this, I found it's, it's the word, um, we, it's, we get the word, uh, cosmetics from this. And it means to be put in order to made, be- to be made beautiful. So the house has been cosmetified. And so it's, it's, it's an attractive house. It's cleaned up and it's vacant. And that is the problem because Again, this is something Jesus is, is kind of implying here, but he doesn't say so in so many words. But apparently, demons don't like cosmetic houses. They like chaotic houses. So it says, I'm going to invite some of my buddies over and we'll trash the place. So it says, then it goes and it brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. Where have they been? Have they been in a dry place? Did, did they like check out of the, the house they were in, you know, Jesus doesn't care. That's not the point. So he says, he says, it goes and it brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And then they go in and they make their home there. And that person, now we're back to person. That person is back, is worse off at the end than at the beginning. And there's a reason I'm telling you this. He says, this is the way it will also be. It will be also for this evil generation. Evil generation, we saw last week, that's the, the, Typical prophetic language that when a prophet would bring um, an oracle from God, the prophet would say that um, that you are evil, that you are you are um, not content with um, with uh, what God tells you. You are always looking for some some reason to to um, to. Uh, what is it? You never, you never miss the opportunity to miss the opportunity. Jesus says that that you are an evil generation because you you um, uh, never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. So, so Jesus is is using that kind of prophetic language here, and so he's saying that's what this will be like. That that uh, you'll be in the same situation as somebody who had a house and it got undemonified, whatever that whatever caused that to happen, and then. Um, it was nice for a while, but then the demon came back. So that's that's the the picture that Jesus has drawn here, and so so um, the 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 question for us is is what does that mean? What does it mean to be um, evil, or or what does it mean to to have a house um, that that is uh, in this situation? Because our concern is that we might be that evil generation that Jesus is talking about. So, so what is he getting at here? Well, he's, he's talking about evil and he's talking about the evil generation. So that brings us back to where we were at last week. And if you weren't here last week, you can listen online. But Jesus told us the, the problem last week was that that evil generation had asked for a sign. They wanted some validation of what Jesus was doing. And Jesus said, you get this, you get the best sign of all. You get the sign everybody gets, which is the sign of the resurrection. We talked about that last we can again you can you can catch up online if you weren't part of that conversation but but that's the idea is that is that you get the sign but the sign is is not what Jesus uh, the, the sign of the resurrection to be to be uh, to die on the cross and to be raised is not by itself the important thing it had a significance it had a significance it was significant but only as a sign that what Jesus achieved was much greater than simply to die and be raised. The, the, the resurrection is the sign of what Jesus did, but it is not all that Jesus did. What Jesus mainly did is he reconnected us back to God. That there is, there is this idea that humanity, because of, because of sin, um, when sin entered the world, humanity and really the whole world was cut off from God. 
That's the, the big idea. And Jesus came to reconnect us, to reconnect us individually as people, but also to reconnect the whole world back to God. So that's the big idea of Christianity. And the sign of that, the thing that signifies that, is the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the idea is that this world is cut off. You and I were cut off from God. Now, Christians are sometimes asked, so if we believe that, does that mean we think that people who don't know Jesus are evil, that they, they, they can do no good? And the answer is, of course they can do good. And in fact, Jesus, in the passage we looked at last week, gave, gave two examples. Jesus talked about the citizens of Nineveh who changed their hearts and lives, never knowing Jesus, not even evidently knowing much about God except what little they could pick up from, um, from, uh, uh, Jonah. So Jesus says that they are in a better position with God than the, the, the people of God, the people living in Israel at that time. He said that they are actually in a better position. Jesus said the same thing about the Queen of the South, another Gentile, somebody who had no previous relationship with Jesus. She did something right. So Christians believe Jesus specifically taught how people are good or, or can be good um, without being in a relationship with, with God. But the que- and the reason for that is that we believe that even though the world has been cut off from God, is that a God's goodness pervades the world. When we hear the, the, the seraphim singing to one another in, in Isaiah's prophecy, he says he heard the seraphim saying, um, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. That God's glory is uh, spread abroad. But... We are cut off from God. It's not that the world is is as bad as it could possibly be. The house is vacant, but it's cleaned up and set in order. It's been beautified. So it's not that there is no goodness in the world. There is goodness in the world, but we are cut off from the source of goodness. So the question is, essentially, how many demons are there right now? And maybe... For some lucky people, maybe the answer is zero. That their life is in pretty good situation. That that they're able to to you know get through their life without making a complete wreck of things. That their relationships are in a good situation. Their finances. They haven't got any addictions. They have zero demons in their life, despite the fact that they they are um, that they are not in any relationship with God because they have been cut off from God. That Jesus is saying all we're arguing about here is. How many demons there are? How miserable are you? How bad has your life become? And for some people, it's one. For some people, it's zero. And for some people, it's seven. That, that you know, seven, the, the totality, as bad as it could possibly be. You know, I have hit rock bottom. There's nothing worse than this. So so Jesus is saying, all we're arguing about here is the number. because Because the house is vacant. Yes, it's been cleaned up. How long will it stay clean? How long will it be set in order before the demons return? And, you know, for some of us, this is our story. You know, we are good people until we aren't. Um, as, uh, was it F. Scott Fitzgerald? Some, some dude, Hemingway, one of those 20s people you read about in, in, uh, in, in, uh, the survey of American literature. Uh, people go broke very slowly and then all at once. You know, that th- not just with money, that in a lot of ways our house is, is clean and it's set in order, 
right up to the point where the demons move back in and make a mess of things that are, you know, and that was our first marriage or, or that was our finances. That was the job. You know, that was, that was our addiction that we had it under control right up until we didn't have it under control. And so that's, that's the picture that Jesus is drawing here that, that, that he came to reconnect us to the source of goodness, the source of a, of what he could call an abundant life. So that's, that's the, the picture that Jesus is drawing. And what he achieved, the thing that Jesus actually did achieve is to reconnect us to God so that we are in a place where we can be connected to God. We can have God move into us. And that's what we see um, as we read uh, the New Testament. The Apostle Paul talks about if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead. So who raised Jesus from the dead? God. If God's spirit lives in you, then the same one, the one who raised Christ from the dead, that same one, will give life to your human bodies also. That that you will find yourself to be um, as good as a house could be. That 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 you know, cleaned up uh, the the pinnacle of being cleaned up, the pinnacle of being uh, set in order. That that you will have that situation, and you will also be protected from anybody, any squatters who want to move in and say, you know, let's trash the place. That's that's what that's the metaphor that Paul is drawing on. Um, which is this same idea that Jesus talks about. The empty house needs an occupant. And if the Spirit of God moves in, then you're going to be in a better situation. Um, in, in a different letter, uh, this is actually Colossians. The text is there is wrong. So Colossians 1, uh, the Apostle Paul says, um, God chose to make known among the Gentiles. So this is available to everybody, regardless of their pedigree. The Queen of the South, as well as the, the historic people of God, the Israelites. That God made it, made, chose to make known, um, among the Gentiles, uh, the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. That you can be that house with the Spirit of God living inside you, the Spirit of Christ living in you. And that is the hope of glory. And, um, Jesus describes it this way. So so he talks about the riches of the glory, the, the hope of glory, the, the riches of glory. What does he mean by that? He means you have no idea how how good that house could be. That if you're saying, you know, hey, it's not as bad as it could be, if you're saying, I've only got the one demon, you know, that, you know, it's the one little thing, and as long as, you know, as long as I don't drive by her house, or, you know, as long as I don't see that that web page, or, you know, as long as I don't go out with my friends, then everything's under control. If we think, well, you know, okay, well, I've got it pretty well under control. You know, I'm white-knuckling it through my life, and, and I'm going to somehow get through this. Jesus is saying, you have no idea what you might be missing out on, how good that house could become. So um, in uh, uh, John's uh, biography, Jesus says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches, if you remain in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. He says, ultimately, if you're a vacant house, it's only a question of time. How soon will the demon come back? And who will he bring with him? But if you remain in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. You have no idea how good your life could be. Not just someday when you get to heaven, but right now, 
So, that is the picture that Jesus has drawn here. And he says, this is what I came to achieve. Yes, the cross and the resurrection are the sign that shows how I did it. But the what, the what I did is to reconnect you back to God so that you can have someone living in your house to protect you from the things that make you miserable. So, that's that's the individual application, and really, to some extent, it's also the social application. If you think in terms of, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be the cranky pastor who points his finger and says, says, you know, our society is going to the dogs, but... You know what? Our society is going to the dogs. You know, I think it's pretty easy to, to plot a, a, a chart and say that in a lot of ways, um, our society has peaked. Now, I would still rather have the medicine of next year than the medicine of a hundred years ago. I'm 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 okay with the idea that there is progress, but there's also a lot of trouble. You know, turn on your TV set. There is plenty of trouble in the world. And um, there's plenty of trouble in people's lives. You know, if you look at social indicators in terms of things like divorce or um, uh, 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 drug addiction, suicide, uh, domestic violence, there's a lot of ways that, that the, the metrics show that things are actually getting worse. And the reason I don't want to be that, that, that grumpy pastor who, you know, wags a finger is because I don't think it's helpful. I don't think that that's the way that you change the society. I think in a lot of ways our society is like a cut flower sitting in a vase and we've become disconnected from the God who made our society good. And, you know, again, not saying that it was ever a great society. You know, that's a whole separate conversation. But if you think it's gotten worse, if you can look at metrics and say, well, it's certainly worse for these people, um, then you can say, okay, why is that? And I would argue that it has become cut loose, that we have a Christian heritage, but we're no longer a Christian society. And the way we become a Christian society is not by people like me wagging our finger at the people out there, but by all of us going out there and being houses that have God living in them, that are producing abundant fruit, that are showing to the Gentiles the riches of the glory of God. That is the, that is the way that Christians transformed the society, you know, 1800 years ago, and it's the way they can do it again. Jesus says that this way. He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So, the question for you is not, is not, are you as bad as you could possibly be? The question is not how many demons you have in you. The question is, is God in you? Is God protecting you from the return of the demons? That's the big idea of Christianity. And if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but I don't want to invite God into my house. Let me get my house in order. Let me sort things out. And then, once things are kind of cleaned up and, you know, cosmetified in my house, then I can invite God in. Well, if that is your thought, then let me invite you to pray the prayer of St. Augustine. This is something he wrote in about 400 AD. So this is not a new, a new thought. He said in, in this prayer, and let me invite you to pray. Um, my soul is like a house 
small for you to enter, but I pray you to enlarge it. It is in ruins, but I ask you to remake it. It contains much that you will not be pleased to see. This I know and do not hide. But who is to rid it of these things? Lord God, we, we lift up to you our houses, our, our societal house and our individual um, personhoods. Um, there are things in there that you will not be pleased to see. But we know that apart from you, as vacant houses, it's only a question of how soon and how bad they will be put into chaos. So we ask you, Lord, to enter into our house. We ask you to stay in our house and continue to be at work, making us into the people you want us to be, the people who can transform our society. We ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.